And he gets going. Zach Slobody Cook made a huge move. Look at the increase in his stroke rate here. He's really up on the shoulder of Arno Kaminga. He's made a huge move. He's just got to get onto the wall, increase his stroke rate, right on the world record line. Good position for the Australian. He's moved up into the silver medal position. He goes up alongside Kaminga. Is it another gold medal for these Australians at these games? Yes, He's it is. Got it. The Aussie does it, gets the Olympic record. Zach Stubblety Cook, remember that name. You remember that name indeed. That is uh, Basil Zemplis from Channel 7 with a call on Zach Stubblety Cook, who is the guest today, um, winning the Olympic gold. Uh, as I already said, welcome to our guest today to the Sub Zero Coffee podcast, Zach Stubblety Cook. Thank you for having me. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. What's what's life been like? Obviously, you, you, you blew up after you won your race, uh, I would assume. Um, what's life been like since you won the race? Like, from the moment you got out of the pool, checked your phone, what, what, what what's it been like? I mean, to be fair, I didn't check my phone when I got out of the pool. I, I had more races to go, so I kind of tuned out. And until I got to quarantine, it didn't really all kind of sink in. Um, and then, yeah, checking the phone was quite surreal. Like you look at your phone and you have like, I can't remember what it was. It was like my Instagram had blown up from like 2000 people to 12 and a half thousand people. I was just like, like overnight, it was just like, it's unbelievable. And then hearing and seeing, getting, going through and seeing all the videos of people cheering and like my old school cheering to mates calling me like missed calls from them like the support was unbelievable um and then you know since then it's it's a lot of um, going to events and meeting new people and a lot of those kind of things it's what I've been doing as of late and then starting to look at uh content planning and stuff for the future with brands and etc so yeah it's all kind of changed a lot like 12 months ago if you ask me that it, would would I be doing all these things? I'd probably say no. <laughs> I'd be like, did, well, you, did you see yourself being a um, Olympic gold medalist? No, <laughs> it's a perfectly blunt answer. Um, I I went in with the expectation that I wanted to do my best, um, and I thought deep down I thought that would get on the podium. And if I'm perfectly honest, I kind of saw a few people step up and go, "Well, I think I I can step up as well." And I didn't know what that meant or where that could take me but for me it was all about just getting the best out of myself and getting the best race I could out because at the end of the day like I was perfectly happy just representing my country at the Olympics like that's a was just the goal in itself and to come away with the gold medal is just so so special yeah I can imagine representing Australia in anything let alone winning a gold and swimming but um before we get into too much more of the swim stuff I want to get a I want to get to know a bit more about you. Where are you based now? So Australia's a big country. You're in a different location to me. Where are you? I'm, I'm in Brizzy. So I grew up in Brisbane, born and bred. So that's on the East Coast for mm-hmm. any international people. But um, yeah, so it's kind of, well, I don't want to say the heart of swimming in Australia, but it pretty much is now. Like You're a gold medalist. You can say what you want. <laughs> yeah, it's the sunshine state. So, you know, it's, it's, I just love it here and, yeah, and when and you when were you, younger, sort of preparing for the, um, well, you weren't preparing for the Olympics when you were younger. Ooh, someone's drinking a coffee. I'll ask you about that later. Um, <laughs> when when you were preparing, I don't know. When say when did you start swimming? I started swimming 
kind of probably from about year one or two. So about age six um, was kind of Friday night club night is where it kind of all started. So yeah, we had like that club night on Friday night after school and all your mates used to go in primary school. And then you like, you kind of, that's where the competitive and the social side of it probably came from and something like that made me love and fall in love with the sport. And for me, that's where it all kind of started. And then when I was nine, I kind of like made my first nationals, my first school nationals, and then progressed from there. So, you know, it has like nine to 22 is a a bit of a jump. Um, But yeah, there's like lots of different pieces in between and between that and like hitting high school and making my first Australian team in 2014, kind of making my first proper junior team in 17. So there's like, it's not a clear trajectory from age nine to there. Like, I don't think there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of turning points along the way. And, you know, I'm so grateful for having that journey along the way. But, yeah, I started swimming when I was six, competitive swimmer at nine, and then, yeah, kind of the rest is history. <laughs> well, um, speaking, of, speaking of the journey, so, you, so you're not just a um... – not just a swimmer. It looks, I've got here. You studied biomedical science at Griffith University. Is that true? Yes, I st- oh, I don't anymore. But I started in biomedical science and then moved into the business psychology space. So I was was fascinated with how people function and getting the best. Well, it, I think it stems from what I can tell about myself. I think it stems from myself wanting to help people and get the best out of them and. I'm lucky now that I'm able to tell a bit of my story and tell a bit of those those turning points and get how I got the best out of myself. But in the study and in that part of my life, I kind of, I, I study business psychology now. So I think that's something I want to progress in team cultures and cultures among business and those kind of bits and pieces. I think that's something that I hope beyond swimming and beyond this will help me throughout my future career and life and and getting the best out of people is probably the moral of that. I saw somewhere on the internet that you were interested in behavioral economics. Yes. Yes. Well, I just, it's, it's interesting to me because I just started studying economics myself. So being an avid enjoyer, but um, yeah, yeah, I found that interesting, interesting Zach. Now what is the coffee that you're drinking there next to you? Uh, A local, well, a Sydney slash local roaster that's um, blackout coffee roasters. And um, yeah, in my partner's little espresso machine. Um, yeah, it's just a Mexican, I'm pretty sure. Mexican, Mexican. I've been really, really enjoying one of my best mates. He roasts for Kaya Coffee on the sunny coast. Mm-hmm. Um, big shout out to Kaya Coffee. And he they've got a, a few good ethers at the moment. He'll probably hate that I say that because they're a bit short on the ethers, but um <laughs> Like they're they're so good. What's coming out of what's coming out of there? So that's normally my favourite go-to. Well, yeah. Well, let's let's jump straight into it then. Zach is interested in coffee, which is why we got him on the podcast. Because I noticed you sometimes when you go through like we've got a business Instagram account, all the Subzero Instagram account, and you can see who's followers. And then every now and then there's a blue tick. And like three or four months before um, you went to Tokyo, I noticed that someone with a blue tick was following us. I thought, oh, that's interesting. It was Zach's double to cook. And then when we um, when you went to the Olympics, we I made a point to watch your race, and then you won, and me and my brother were just going absolutely <laughs> insane. And obviously Australia had a really good um, 
we had a really good stint at the Olympics. Uh, you won a gold and a bronze, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And so where did your, where did your love of coffee start? Because it's, it's not just a thing you drink every now and then. You are quite obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably comes back to me as well. Like I'm a, a person that loves process. And like I think a lot of people would understand that like with coffee like comes a process of like, okay, way in, way out you know, timing, temperature, grind size, you know, the whole bit across the board. I'm not into the total dissolved solids yet, but like, you know. It doesn't mean much anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I've heard, but, um, you know, it is the process and the analysis of it all and like trying to get pursuit of perfection, if you will. So, you know, pursuit of that perfect cup almost. So for me, that's what it stems from. And like, yeah, for me, it probably started, out of necessity through high school, um, getting up at 4.20 in the morning and getting home at 7.30 at night uh, between training and high school. Like it, it became a necessity that then post high school, I kind of, I got a first, I, like I started off with an AeroPress and that just fell in love with it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, still just thoroughly enjoy filter. Like that's my go-to, just love filter. So yeah. That's where I'm at with coffee. Was there a particular cup or bean, if you will, that sort of turned the tide for you? Like, oh, blimey, that's a good coffee. Um, not not particularly. I enjoy variety, and like, I guess why I started following you guys because I was really interested in your like the freezing process and mm. how that has kind of made itself onto the scene in the last year. And that's how I travelled to Tokyo with all my coffee. I had like two kilos of like dosed frozen coffee okay i didn't freeze all the way through but it was like dosed kind of like ready to go going into japan so it was really simple and easy for me but yeah like there was one coffee from the uh, melbourne roaster bretta that roasts out of the criteria yeah yeah i know uh i know jerome and fran who who own that quite well shout out to them yeah big shout out to them i'm sure they'd be flattered to know that you're drinking their coffee as well they did a um ether about a year ago, nearly. Is Ether short for Ethiopian? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was like a white chocolate blackberry, a uh, white chocolate blueberry thing and passion fruit. Mm. And I remember tasting, I was like, like, what is this? Like, it was just unbelievable. And it was like, it wasn't like white chocolate, but it was like that mouthfeel you get when like chocolate just coats your whole palate. And then you get that blackberry and it was just like, this doesn't taste like coffee. As we unbelievable. As we go on, Zach, I'm starting to learn that you're quite you, you're, you're a very sophisticated coffee drinker. Uh, I, I wouldn't say sophisticated, not not on a lot of people's level, but I, I think I, I I think I'm a bit of an obsession about it. Definitely, like I'm a three to four coffee a day guy. So and I like to have like at the moment, especially like big shout out to Toby Estate. They hit me up and sent me some of their like high end filter stuff, and then the guy at Bed Street or Best Street Coffee, the imports. He um, sent me a few extra bits and pieces as well. So I always love getting his stuff and like hearing about his story and, you know, like, yeah, I love the community of coffee as well. It's, and, it, it's, um, it's, yeah. a, it's a very, very nice community. Very Lots of talented people as well. And they come from lots of different fields of life and somehow end up in coffee as well. A thought just popped up into my brain though, um, have you been sponsored by a coffee company yet? 
I mean, no, I, I, I imagine not it's not just yet. like raining endorsements deals for Zach Stubblety Cook right now. And is it Stubblety or Stubletty? Uh I don't know because like here's, here's here's my issue, right? So uh, it it is pronounced Stubletty, but like everyone pronounces Stubblety at the Olympics. So yeah. like I'm just like, do I just run with it? Like now it's just like, do I just everyone everyone knows me as that, or do I try and correct? Because when I was preparing for this podcast, and believe it or not, listeners, I do prepare every now and then, um, I was watching a segment from the Marty Shugold show when you went on that, and they were having a bit of a joke around about Stubletty and Stubblety, so I thought, ooh, I better better check up on that one. But back to where I was, sponsorship. My object, One of my objectives of this podcast is to get you a sponsorship. So if you're a coffee company listening, Zach Stub- Stubletty Cook is available. He hasn't got a coffee sponsor yet, so get in quick. You know, he's blowing up. He's very good at drinking coffee. Obviously, he has a uh, wonderful taste. So, there we go. Um, hopefully, we can get you a uh, endorsement deal out of this sack. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, Tokyo and coffee. So, you took two kilos in some sort of package, you know, obviously made it through customs. And they're pretty stringent at Japan. I've been to Japan. So, um, you know, good, well done getting that through. Um, and... Were you a popular guy at the Olympics? Yeah, I'm in the Olympic Village. I had a few converts. I would, I would more call it that. Like uh, we, we were lucky. We had single O Japan, um, basically cater the Australian team. So there was two guys with two liner minis downstairs and a whole kit and caboodle, full time baristas downstairs in our village. So we were very blessed with like very good coffee. You know, like it wasn't bad. Um, but I. Uh, me being a bit of like a perfectionist, I'm like, I wanted to make sure I still had my own. And I had a few, like, I took a very, like, I don't know what it was. I'm not superstitious. Well, not that superstitious, but before my trial swim, I had that brute, I had a brute coffee cinnamon process. Brute from like, Sydney? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, the cinnamon processed coffee. Um, and it was like, one of the it tastes like a cinnamon donut. I used to say, What? Like, well, it just doesn't make sense. It's funny you should bring that up because there's been a bit of conjecture about infused coffees in the industry of late. And, um, you know, some people are hella against it. And you know what? I think it's a good thing. Um, and I'm, I'm a person who, you know, I've tried more coffees than most people would have and serve up to 50 coffees a day or at any one time at our pop ups and whatnot. Um, and so sometimes it's really difficult to have a coffee that you say, for example, tastes like, like you said before, blueberry, white chocolate and banana or whatever. A lot of people won't pick that up first go. And if you have a infused cinnamon coffee that's reasonably priced and they drink it, you say it tastes like cinnamon, they think it tastes like cinnamon, who loses? If someone's transparent about it, I don't have an issue. Yeah, it is like my good friend, the roaster, he hates it. And mm. I'm like, I, I'm like, but how my opinion is very similar to yours. And like, if you can convert co- people into that coffee space as well. And like, if that's a doorway into it as well, mm. that makes sense. So like, if you can enhance a flavor profile, like they do it with every other food. So why is it an issue with coffee? So mm. for example, like I'm very into like smoking meats and those kind of things. And like, it's been a big trend of like dry aging meat and like, well, it's not a trend, but it's been around for hundreds of years, but like, a couple of years ago, people started doing like whiskey aging, lavender aging, and now they're doing white chocolate aging. So like for me, it's like 
they're pushing boundaries in other food industries. So, you know, coffee is part of that industry. So can we push the boundary with that? So like, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad. And I, back on your steak, I checked your Instagram last night and I saw you had an absolute weapon looking of a steak that you're cooking. Sorry to any vegans that are listening, but um, that was a, that was a big, big steak. Yeah, I was lucky. My local butcher said, I'll shout you a steak um, like after I won. And he was like, is a double tomahawk good? And I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. So it was like, yeah, two and a bit kilo piece of beef. And I was like, I was like, who who can I share this with to like fully appreciate like what it is? And like one of my best mates is also really into meat. And so yeah, he came over and yeah, we shared a good steak together. Love it. Now, you said you converted some people in Tokyo before. Are you able to name yeah. names? Are you able to name and shame these converts? Well, it's not yeah, name and shaming, so, really. You're, you're really sort of bulking up their PR image in front of the uh, the barista community. So who who, who, who was converted? Yeah. So um, Mark Horton, he's always, he's always liked coffee. He's well, you see, liked- I used to be the head barista at St. Ali in Melbourne, and Mac Horton was there every weekend, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah. He just loves the cafe culture, but he's like, he's not a daily coffee drinker like normally. And I called him the other day, and like he bought like the. I, I said like all you need to start out with like, because I had like a filter set up. Basically, I took to Japan, um, and I said to him, I was like, oh look, like all you need to get a similar brew, it'll have a bit more body, is like a French press. So like, he, of course, him being him, bit of like a. He loves the aesthetic look as well. Buys like the brand new like fellow. I don't know what it's called now. It's called, but it's like and he's a veteran. At Li- he's the veteran at the Olympics, so he's probably got the cash. Yeah, it's just like a beautiful, beautiful French press, and like he now. I called him the other day, and he goes, "Oh, look, like I don't know if it's an issue yet, but I'm drinking like three to four a day." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, it's all right. It's all right. As long as." You're not waking up with like, a, as long as you're not waking up because you have a headache because you haven't had a coffee, you're all right. Like, I think that's the line where, I, where I've I've decided in myself of being like, all right, that's the point where like I need to rein it in and maybe a little bit. But so he was one of the converts and um, Ken McAvoy as well, who was also the professor really into it. Yeah, the professor. And he loved the physics. Like I showed him the, the, fil- the coffee filter physics book that came out. By Jason Gagney. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he was like, because oh, he's yeah, studying physics, so he absolutely loved that and loved that like people go into that much detail about it all. And so he was another convert of like, yeah, so those two. And he's like, he messaged me quite often now being like, oh, I got this, like, I got this set up and stuff. So, yeah, he's loving it now. Well, mate, if they have need a hot tip, I'll, I'll be happy to help. Because um, when I kind of... When I was thinking about you and coffee in Tokyo and all the other athletes, I kind of imagined it being like Jimmy Butler in the NBA bubble. Do you watch? Do you watch basketball? Not too much. Ooh, okay, right. Well, um, Jimmy Butler, really good forward for the Miami Heat. Um, very interested in coffee, and um, he took his espresso machine and uh, you know filter whole kit and caboodle um, to to the NBA bubble when they were um, they had to quarantine essentially. When, last year to keep the league going and so he was selling cups of coffee for $30 I thought I was the only guy selling cups of coffee for $30 but there you go so Jimmy Butler was in it and um, he converted a lot of NBA players now they're all 
kitted up. Was it, was there a similar sort of experience there, or at least when you got back to quarantine in Australia? Yeah, well, Mac and Cam both asked like, what, "What do we what do we need to like create like a nice cup of coffee, like a nice black filter cup of coffee?" And like, I gave him a few. I gave him his his list of like everything you could get and here's a list of like everything you need mm. <laughs> kind of like they're two different things right yeah um so yeah to an extent um i think i gave like a few people like even in quarantine like brianna thrustle and arnie were next to me and like both of them like coffee but arnie especially likes coffee but like i gave her a cup of um the almatic mexican which was like a really fermenty cup and like super sweet but like they'd never tasted anything like it. And they were like, oh, this is so nice, like so lovely. Like I've never tasted anything like it. Well, that sort of goes back to what we were saying about the cinnamony process because a lot of people, they get these funky naturals and coffee buyers especially and they think it's defective. Like they'll say, mm. oh, that tastes, you know, like rotten bananas or something. And um, But then you give it to someone like Ariane Titmus, you know, the G-O-A-T, and um, she loves it and we – you can convert someone like they might develop a love for washed coffee or super clean coffee later on. But yeah, there you go. So Ariane Titmus enjoyed it at quarantine. Good take. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those kind of things, but yeah, like it was definitely like those nuances of like people trying maybe a filter coffee for the first time as well during quarantine and during the Olympics even, you know, so those kind of things definitely, were kind of cool to be able to show people like what coffee can be especially like you're not I don't have my like precision kettle or anything but I just have like a Kalita a Kalita wave basically like mm-hmm. a small 155 and then yeah and a set of scales and a Commandante it's just that's it it's Mate, like the way you go you could survive a nuclear apocalypse with those things that's um it's, it's all you need. Funny you should say, I don't know if you're a cricket fan, but Adam Zampa, um, Australian spinner, has been on this podcast as well. Huge fan. And on the, uh, on the series, The Test, which was about how the Australians had to sort of come back from a few scandals, I'll, I'll say. Um, yeah, he was... That's ma- a very, very scandalous to say light, lightly. Well, it's very, I'm, I'm trying to be diplomatic to Adam, but also not shame myself as an Australian. But, um, you know... We went through some stuff, but in the series, Adam's making coffee for Marcus Stoinis, Justin Langer, all, all the guys. And, um, yeah, he's an absolute freak Like with, with his coffee. He, he searches far and wide. He's like, I used to send him packages of just random assortments of coffee that I had to just load with ice because you, you can't ship it with dry ice and all that sort of stuff. So every, every now and then he'd just hit me up for one of those. And the, the guy can put them away. He's, he's a machine. And I don't even yeah. drink that much coffee. Like you were, you were saying before, you don't want to get to the point of waking up with a headache. I haven't even had a coffee today. And like, Far out. yeah, I go. Oh, this is my second. <laughs> yeah, like I, I um, yeah, like I'm, I'm actually pretty lucky that I do drink a lot, like far more than the average person. But I can also just go two weeks without it and be fine. Sometimes I just like to have two weeks off to, so that I enjoy it more when I come back. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I have watched. And also back to your point about Zampa, like I've, I've watched the test and like that was so, like I was watching it with my partner and she's like, is that you? And I was like, I don't want to say no. Like, <laughs> you know, like I... I like, that's me. Even the visual of it, of like sitting in a small hotel room, like on the coffee table, like making it, I was like, I, I have like very um, 
vivid memories of doing like that in Japan with Mac and with not in Tokyo, but like on previous trips. So, yeah. It's a real shame that you probably get a, didn't get to travel much of Japan while you were there this time around. I know you've been before because I was stalking you on online, checking out your history. Have you checked out much of the Japanese coffee scene? Um, not, I haven't, honestly, I haven't had like a huge opportunity to do so. Um, I, Jess Ashwood, big shout out to her. She's probably one of the biggest people that kind of got me really into coffee because when we were in Japan, one of the times, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he was at the World Four Over Championships and he's like the guy with, he's the guy that... Tetsu Kasuya? I think so. And he's from, he's from Tokyo and he's part of the, oh, I can't remember, some cafe. And it took us so long to find it because on some like back street of Shibuya that you like never knows there. And like, she was like, oh, you should come along. And we went there and had a coffee and it was like, it was a very good coffee to be fair. But yeah, it was like, that's probably the only time I've like sought out coffee because like a lot of it's elsewhere too. Like there is a good coffee in Tokyo, but a lot of it's in Kyoto and, Old old town Japan. Yeah, I was lucky enough to go to Japan just before COVID hit, so November 2019, and um, there's a really good shop in, uh, uh, I forget the name of it, some sort of Minato, Japan, called uh, Coffee Mamea uh, or mm. Amotesando Coffee. That was unbelievable, kind of like a sub-zero, but they don't freeze it in Japan. Um, and then there's Mariyama Coffee. So, I mean, if you get to go back anytime soon, you'll have a great time. I can definitely, and in Korea as well, they have an absolutely gun coffee scene in Korea. So, I mean, if you get to go back and enjoy it, you know, yeah. what, what's it, just on that, what's it like being in the Olympic Village? What was it like? Interesting. Um, so, I mean, everyone's heard about probably the cardboard beds. Um, that I was, was just big. about to ask you about the cardboard beds. Like, they were fine. They were, there was nothing different. Like, it's just like a wooden bed because, like, it's just the cardboard, I guess. And the only issue we had was um, Mac brought a humidifier and it cracked on the way over and, like, was leaking all over the floor. And then his bed got soggy at one end, so he couldn't sit on one end of the bed. Like, so those kind of things were a bit like, oh. It's what did like, he need a humidifier for? Well, when you, like, it's 35 degrees outside. So anyone who lives in Queensland or any humid climate can relate, like, everything's air inside to just chill out and keep keep relaxed and everything so but like often all of us find it dries us out and then you, you're more susceptible to sickness so a lot of us use humidifiers or travel with humidifiers just for sleeping like in that aircon environment so that's what we had that for um so yeah but yeah it cracked on the way over so, so that was a bit of an issue um so yeah but apart from that like the, the most interesting thing I think people would find is like when you walk into the dining hall, you have to sanitize and then put gloves on and then serve all your food in, with gloves and a mask. And then when you sat down, you had to wipe down your whole space before you even sat down. What, like we were very precautious and wiped all our cutlery, everything with disinfectant wipes. And then you'd sit down, basically like scoff your food down and leave because that was like, that was the place that you're likely, most likely to get COVID. And then, like, you know, we had to have a spit test every day. So, like, every day you'd have a test tube. And the first thing in the morning, like, you know, how dry your mouth is, you're not allowed to eat or drink for half an hour beforehand. You're just trying to, like, fill this test tube with spit mm. um, for COVID testing, which is sounds a bit horrible. But 
it, it, it just was what it was. And I think like maybe if I had another Olympic experience or kind of reflect on other experiences, it was very different. Um, there's no doubt about that, but I guess everyone goes in with the, I think the attitude of like, well, it is what it is and we've just got to get the best out of ourselves in that regard. And I think that comes back to like what I was talking about at the beginning, just like you just want to get the best out of yourself in those environments. And like, you're not thinking too much about how different it is or how weird that we have to put on gloves, eat food, like, or that like we have to wear a mask everywhere and you have to like have temp checks when you come in and out of the village, like all those different bits and pieces. Like it just became normal after like a day. It was just like, oh, well, it is what it is. Like, Were you just still at all times so focused on your race? Yeah, you focused more on the moment of just like being very present in that that point in time. And that's probably what I love about coffee. Like when you are making a coffee, like you can't be anywhere else. Like you just, you have to be doing that. And like, I think that's probably why I love doing the coffee as well during like high pressure environments like that. It just like takes away from thinking about swimming and thinking about that. It's just like, I have to focus on this for X amount of time. So like you're not focused on the race, you're more focused on the process around everything. So for me, it's like control the controllable. So everything from trying to get enough sleep to eating the right things, to stretching enough, to ensuring I'm getting the best out of myself in the pool, the training sessions beforehand, and then like resting and et cetera, et cetera. So like, there's a big list of like what I can control, but things like putting on gloves and like cardboard beds, I can't control. So it's like, I'm not going to worry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting parallel to draw. But my brother's a bodybuilder, and he um, came second in the pro qualifier this year for the IFBB. So I mean, it's a bit different, and I understand bodybuilding is not everyone's cup of tea. But um, you know, he's an animal with his preparation, and so when he knows he's got a comp day, he just it, it's kind of freaky to watch. He's the most determined person I've ever met, and so he'll just the way he eats, the way he trains, it's just animalistic would you describe yourself as the same sort of thing um probably more just like obsessionist i think and like i'm a person that doesn't do things by halves so i don't know whether that's like determination but like for example like i love making sourdough bread but i'll make like four loaves at once i'm, I'm not gonna like fuck around with one loaf <laughs> it's, well, like, it's a lot of effort to make sourdough you may as well, it's it's just simple you know efficiency to get four on at once yeah, so like things like that, I don't do things by halves. And like, like for example, like you would have seen on my Instagram last night, like the barbecue, like the blowtorch. Like I'm not going to buy like some little, little shitty thing. It was like a huge plumbing torch and like so like things like that. I I enjoy doing things to their best. I think is probably the best way to put it. So like, and doing things to what I can get the best out of. So yeah, if that if like I am determined and I am diligent in the way i approach things through a process but i think i'm yeah quite obsessive and want to get milk everything for what it is do you think this is a totally different subject do you think do you see yourself opening a coffee shop one day or getting involved in it one day maybe i think so i think i'd like to i think like i love the community and i love big shout out to like the like my local is super coffee if anyone is in Brizzy, they make such good coffee and yeah i think they've got big plans for the future but that's 
that's quite on the down low, but yeah. Okay, um, yeah, it's very down low. <laughs> he's um yeah, Simon and Chin are like such lovely pair and like have created something and like the shops have all grown around them, um, which is really, really amazing to see. Like they kind of went out on a limb and did something in a suburb like where I live that's not like a foodie place or not a coffee place and like yeah, there's a gym next door and a Taekwondo center. And then the other side now is like grown and there's a pastry place. And now it's like, it's growing. And like, you can almost see that like they drew a crowd and grew around it. So I really enjoy seeing that. And like, I'd love to be a part of something like that. Or, you know, I also love like the roasting side of it and seeing the process of that too. So yeah. It's it's a good point you bring up because I think a lot of the most successful coffee shops are the ones that go and pick a zone where no one else really occupies it in terms of specialty coffee and then they just, they own that suburb or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they own the space. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like in, like, sorry, yeah. you go. No, you go. You oh, go. I was just about to say that um, like, you know, in Melbourne you see new coffee shops pop up next door to each other and it's like, oh, well, I mean, you're kind of eating from the same pie there. If you go out and... You know, if you're in the suburbs, if you could handle it and if you wanted to live that lifestyle, then you could probably have a lot more success. Your rent will be cheaper, all that sort of stuff. But for whatever reason, you know, we like concentrating cafes in the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, it's also, well, you would have been to prison. Prison is an interesting place. I used place to live there. That, like, well, yeah, it's like, it's very, it's very interesting, interesting that, like, you don't go to the city for coffee. Mm. You'll, like, you'll seek out the suburbs and like i think people will stick their lane in terms of like west end tenerife are probably like the two most co- like cafe saturated areas and then like i'm in paddington now and like there's half a dozen cafes there now too so like there are the spots where it's saturated but there's also like spots that you are seeing like salisbury that's where i am based and that's where supernumerary is based and like you know like you are seeing little pop-ups like that and then like you're also seeing like kind of not necessarily like coffee commune it's starting to kick off a lot more and those kind of things too where people are like roasting communally and stuff which like is big in melbourne i know but like i like seeing it here in brizzy and it's cool to see it's starting to grow and starting to progress absolutely hey i've got one more question for you and um it, it, it it's it's good that you explained your sort of process driven mentality um do you think could you see yourself ever competing in, I don't know, the Brewers Cup or the Barista Championship of Australia? Could we see like a dual gold medalist, Zach Stubb, Holy Cook? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I like. Maybe I don't think so. I don't want to rule it out. You know, like oh, yeah, he's not going to rule it out. Big, big media scoop there. <laughs> never say never. You know those kind of things. But after watching like. Like after watching James Hoffman go like talk through his World Barista Championship, you're like, oh, whoa, like that's a lot of time and a lot of like little niches and like a lot of like research and a lot of process to it. And I'm like, you know, like as much as I love the process, I'm like at the moment swimming's the focus and like I'm very driven in the process and the process of swimming for five years for a two minute race is, um, enough i think yeah yeah yeah, that's fair enough yeah so yeah like at the moment uh coffee is just a bit of a hobby and an obsession and something that i enjoy to take the time and share it with friends as well 
Well, hey, this is going to, I think this interview is going to blow up because, you know, we're just going to, we're going to get you a sponsor. And then once you've got that sponsor, they're just going to be you know, absolutely haggling you to compete. So, I mean, I'll just let you deal with that one. You're 22 years <laughs> old, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm 27. It kind of like, I'm very proud of you, Zach. As an Australian, I'm very proud of you. But it made me feel a bit insignificant sometimes, you know. All these kids are doing so great, winning gold medals, and I'm just here, you know, chilling. <laughs> but it, it, oh, it, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've made you feel that way. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. But you know, it, it was like me and my brother were screaming when you won the race, and it was it was awesome to see. And um, the audio that I played that you unfortunately couldn't hear at the start of this um, was when you overtook. Was it the guy from the Netherlands, Kaminga? Yeah, when yeah, like. Um, it didn't look you look like you were going to win when you turned, let like just on the eye. But obviously, you made those. You just obviously turned it on in the last lap, went from third to first, and I mean, I think it was Liesl Jones in the call as well. She explained it really well. It was a magnificent race, mate. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was always kind of the plan to come through, but like, yeah, I've only watched it a handful of times, and like, I remember watching it and like for the first time, and it like made me. Like, I was not super nervous before the race. Like, I was nervous. But, like, when I watched it and turned that far behind, I was like, excuse the language, but I was like, holy shit. Like, is, is, am I actually going to, like... Because it all feels very surreal. So, like, am I actually going to touch first? Like, it was one of those moments when you're, like, re-watching it and you, like, you're almost in disbelief of what has transpired. But, like, when you're watching it, and you, like, I was that far behind, I was like... Do you remember what you were thinking in the pool? Were you just like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm, he's, he's going down. This is ZSC time, baby. Do, do, do you want the, the answer I give to, the, give, give to everyone or do you want the honest answer? Like, honest, honest answer, bro. The is, honest answer is it's blank. Like, the honest answer is I remember hitting the water and like I can very vividly remember hitting the water and hitting the water a little bit funny and then blank. I, I thought honest answer was going to be like a Mike Tyson, like I'm going to eat his heart out. Praise be to Like I thought that was nah, what, that's nah. what the honest answer was going to be. But that no, the honest answer is like most of the time, and most people would be like, it's completely blank. Um, but like, and I think like I knew I had faith, and I was like, kind of like it's go time. That's probably the only thing I can really remember. But yeah, it's pretty blank because Do you have coffee on race day, or is that a no go? Yeah. Two, two coffees normally before I race a final. Okay. And that was coming back to like the brute coffee was like that, that cinnamon roast was like I reserved it for like final only. Oh, baby, so this, like, is the, this is yeah. game day coffee. Yeah, it was like this is so good. I've got to save it for like game day. And like, as I said, I was, I'm not superstitious, but like before I swam my PB at trials, like that's the coffee I had. So I was like, oh, well, it might mean something. So I'll save that until until the Olympics and like had it for the semi-final didn't have it for the heat had it for the semi-final and the final and then the finals for the relays after that but yeah like I'm not superstitious at all <laughs> <laughs> I um I, I lied when I said I had one more question before because I do have one more now um I've almost forgotten what it was I'm getting old Zach um what what is something you would like people listening to know about you that you don't often get asked about because you, you would often you, you pretty much would only be getting asked about your swimming at the moment or and, and yourself but what's something you'd like listeners to know about you that you don't think they otherwise would um i think 
That's a pretty tough one because I think I'm I'm a fairly open book. I think like I think the only thing it's probably more like if anyone's listening, a takeaway is like enjoy the journey. You might feel like you're floating all the like all or some of the time, but you are working towards something and like it may not just have happened yet and like realize that life is relative. Like take life and relativity, I think, is something that I've learned, especially I know for everyone in Sydney and Melbourne and ACT even as well, you know, like you've been in lockdown the last six months, so I can't really relate. But like for me during the COVID lockdown, it, it put everything in relative terms. So I guess like pain for me is something I've had to learn is relative, like my pain threshold at training, what I can put my body to is very different to what your average person would be able to do. And, you know, like your average person or like a person may find that emotionally hard and like, or I may not and like things like that. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, enjoy the journey, but also realize it's relative and everyone's on their own journey and just respect that it's all relative. Like you may not be feeling lockdown, which is probably hard to believe, but like, other people are you know and other people are having a really tough time with it so i think i'm very much looking forward to it being over and um you got to have the dark times to enjoy the good times mate without the sun there isn't without the rain there is no sun so to speak but zach you've got so much you've obviously watched the tests have you seen when justin langer well anyone that's got amazon prime i definitely recommend the test yeah even Um, if you're not a cricket fan you'll like it i'm not a cricket fan and i Loved it. Oh, don't say that, Zach. Cricket. You are. You are. Very I much. Loved, I, I loved, I liked cricket after that. Like, I was always kind of into it, but, like, never as into it as, like, after that. It was so good to watch and listen. And I, I think it really humanised a lot of the cricketers as well, right? Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, I was like, I'm very, I'm in a unique position that our former media manager was also their media manager at the time. So I had a little bit of insight of, like, more insight than then as well. So it was fascinating to watch and like watching a lot of them and hearing the dark time. I really enjoyed that part of it. Mm. I guess that's what I was getting at about relativity because like some of them saw their dark time as the same as other people when if you if you put it in black and white terms, it would have been very different. Mm. But like, that's when, not to when, lessen what they experienced at all, but yeah, like you said, relative. Yeah, relative. Exactly. Terms. So like, yeah, they both were feeling the same. It was, it's, it's quite interesting. And like then how each of them dealt with it in very, very different ways. And then, you know, watching someone like Marcus Labashane just like, like into the stratosphere in, in one game was, that was very cool to watch. Yeah. So, yeah he, I definitely he, recommend. He's any, an absolute superstar. It. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna recap everything. We're trying to get Zach's Double D Cooker a coffee sponsorship. So I mean, we don't even have to try. So I want to listen to this and just do it. So I'm sure that'll happen. Um, I'm, I've got a little campaign that I'm starting today that I'm trying to. I'm hoping you're the second like sports star that's come onto the podcast. We mentioned we had Adam Zampa before. I'm going for Jimmy Butler, the NBA player. I really want to interview right. J- Jimmy Butler, even if it's for like five minutes. Like it'd just be it'd just be a dream come true. I've watched him since since he was at the Chicago Bulls. Jimmy, if somewhere out there you're listening, 
come onto this or podcast. Someone knows Jimmy, if someone knows Jimmy, reach out to Jimmy. We want Jimmy on the podcast. That'd be really good. But That'd Zach, I think um, after today, mate, I've actually learned so much and you've got a lot of wisdom beyond your years that like I'll listen back to this podcast and it'll help me, you know, going forward. And like, obviously it's not the easiest thing going through lockdown, but I think, yeah, I've, I've got some absolute uh, pearls from this interview that I'll be able to sort of consume and pass on to others. And I think, and I hope that a lot of the list that everyone listening in can enjoy as well. But I just wanted to say uh, that, you know, huge thank you for giving me your time. I know you're, it's, it's Sunday today, so um, you're doing it on the Sabbath and you're probably getting asked for interviews left, right and center. So um, closing remarks from you, Zach. All right, thank you for having me, and yeah, follow me on Instagram for all the coffee coffee content. It'll there'll be a lot more hopefully into the future, and hopefully a little project I may be working on into the future too. So stay tuned for that. Hypothetical sense. What's your handle on Instagram? Uh, Zach Stubletty, S T U B B L E T Y. Excellent, excellent. Well, mate, thank you once again, and to.